This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Rose and Jamie are two best friends And they love sex and the city And they couldn't help but wonder Do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, cheese, So many dudes. Every single dude All the dudes And we couldn't help but wonder With Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't Couldn't Help Help But Wonder. A podcast where we talk about sex in the city and how it relates to to us. us. Hi, Jamie. Hi. Nice to see you. How's it going? I know it's so nice to see you. How are you? Um, I'm good. How are you? I mean, good question mark. Yeah, good question point. mark as well. I know. <laughs> literally vomiting out of my eyes. Um, yeah, no, I'm fine. Who who were you this week or who are you this week? I think I'm Carrie when she's just like having a meltdown. Oh no. Cause like sometimes Carrie has meltdowns. This is true. This is true. Yeah, no, she's I, she she does. She does. She has I, uh she lets her emotions run free yeah, sometimes. She spirals, she goes kooks. Probably a Carrie Miranda blend. Um anybody who's like, I'm loving quarantine, I'm getting so much done. It's just like this is a really great time. Um fuck you. I hate quarantine. I hate it too. I, it's I interesting really not to hijack quarantine. your um who were you this hijack week. Away. No, the only reason I hijack is because right before we recorded this, I was just thinking how I, you know, I think we all sort of hit a point where we're like, okay, like I kind of understand what this is gonna be like. I kind of like I don't have the hang of it, but at least I've like kind of hit a rhythm within this sort of bizarre traumatic time. But just before I recorded this with you, I was like, I it's back the other way for me right now. Like I'm back to almost feeling the way I felt at the beginning where I'm like, all right, like let's just stop it already. <laughs> enough I is enough. hate it. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Sorry. I did not mean to hijack. No. I mean, I feel like I've been doing the best I can by like, I'm being pretty social. I like see people almost every day either going on a walk I went to the beach yesterday um yeah I like went to my aunt's house and had dinner in the backyard with her and my cousins like I've been doing the most you're doing what you can. can yeah yeah but um again I've like talked about this on the pod before but the only reason that I don't feel bad saying it again is because well to the listeners who needed pure escapism, we're almost there. This is just us talking about our lives. We'll get to the Sex and the City part. 
But I do think a lot of people are having a hard time. And again, I, I think people that are living alone and are single, I think it's really, really hard. Um, and yeah, like I borrowed my dog Chachi from my mom for a week. And the reason I do that is because I don't sleep if there's no one else in the house. Yeah. And then of course it's her dog and, um, I brought him back and literally since COVID started, I cannot sleep one night in my house, in my apartment without Clonopin. And mm. that really upsets me because Clonopin's really addicting. I, yes. I've taken it before in like hard times in my life and I've never been addicted to it and I'm not an addictive person, but like as somebody who already has to take Lexapro, I can't really live without it, at least not now. It frustrates me to think I would have to start taking something else. Mm -hmm. And I like got these really expensive CBD gummies that like help you sleep from oh, Air One. And my acupuncturist. Work? No, but that's not because they don't work. It's because I have really bad anxiety. And it's like, I think that they helped like chill my body out and make me drowsy. But mm. COVID is really makes me anxious. Like I've sure. had, I've had a lot harder of a time sleeping. And so I took the gummies and then I took a clonopin. So today I feel like insane. Just Do you really feel, yeah. Does it like leave you feeling a little hungover or Just like tired. a little bit of a I mean, brain hangover? Yeah, I think if I took the clonopin earlier instead of like at one in the morning when I can't sleep, I think if I took it at like 10 and went to bed at a normal time, it would actually yeah, be fine. Yeah, right, right, right. I just right. hate the idea of, I just felt today also not to be like, oh my God, everybody, this is lame, but this is being real and we're real on the pod, but like I've had insane back pain, which oh, I think has made no. everything harder. But I went to my acupuncturist and, you know, I'm just going to keep working out until it gets better um but yeah I just am finding the quarantine really challenging I find being alone really challenging like at this amount of being alone really unhelpful. it's unnatural it's unnatural I don't like it I it's I also, also like mandated aloneness it's not by choice it's like it's yeah there's just no freedom to it it's just like well this is how you have to live so whatever your mental health is, screw it. This is the most important thing. Slap on a mask and just sit at home. I know. I'm kind of like not doing that anymore. I'm definitely wearing the mask, but I'm like, sure. I just, you know, I don't think people should like run amok, but I know no. that I need to see people. So Every person it. I know is starting to have similar feelings of whatever their version of enough is enough is like, everyone's kind of like, yeah, I am going to like see a few friends, you know, cherry picked, you know, with proper social distance. I can't just like not be around anybody. I think everyone's I mean, just we're kind nine of nine weeks in and I feel yeah. like this is going to be like a year at least. I mean, well, 2020 is shot for sure. Um, in definitely going to go into 2021. Yeah, I mean, now they're saying, at least for Los Angeles, you know, this thing is going through July, but, you know, to uh, whatever, a month ago, they were like, I, I don't know, it just changes. Back. And that's another thing is that there's really no, even if you have, quote unquote, the most up to date information, 
it doesn't mean that you have the most up-to-date information because the information is changing all the time. So like right now it's July. Well, who knows if mid-June they're like, actually, it's September. Like we have no There's way of no knowing. There's no way it's opening up this year. I mean, the thing no. is the fastest it's they've ever made a vaccine was 18 months. That's like the fastest. Yeah. There's all these tests and nobody knows if they're real. I just feel like I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, well – I just need to like see people and do things with a mask as careful as I can outside, but I'm just not going to not. Anyway, I'm just kind of, uh, I'm just really over it. And I, I think it sucks. And I have like anger and resentment towards people on Instagram that seem to be doing well that are just like, Oh my God, I'm like tie dyeing my cloths and making this incredible recipe. And I'm like, I hope you're doing well, but also like, how, how are you? I don't, I don't believe that those people are doing well. I think they're just kind of like taking it minute by minute and somehow trying to like glorify that to just stay positive. But then the positivity feels like a slap in the face. Cause you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm doing this wrong. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel. Like I actually do want people to be happy. I don't want people to be unhappy, but people aren't happy. They're but it just makes me dealing. feel like I'm doing something of wrong. Course. People seem that they're like, you know, I'm actually getting a lot uh, of no. good me time. I'm like, are you fucking serious? No, this is not self-care. We're, we're being forced to stay inside. It's not a happy time. Yeah. Um, yeah so, so I feel I you. But I mean, on the other side of that huge word vomit, and you know, I also think that like, even though me and my sister have had some hard conversations, I feel like there's some lingering feelings on my end of, of mm. not really wanting to go back and stay there that much. Yeah. Have you gone back since we last talked? Did you go this week at all? No. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think like I'm doing all this like 12 step ACA work, like digging into like my past. And I think... I was pretty triggered by some conversations we had where it really felt like my needs weren't important, that I didn't feel like I felt like I had to minimize myself. And mm. that just reminds me of my childhood. And I, mm. I'm kind of like, I think that's why the COVID thing has been so challenging because it's like, I don't really feel like going back there. But for me, I think my new challenge is making living at home feel peaceful and positive. And I think the way to yeah. do that is I'm probably going to adopt a dog. That's good. Because I when think I have help. Tachi, I can sleep. It's fine because I'm really distracted. I have something I have to do and take care Absolutely. of. And also, also just like, nice sharing your space with someone, even it if just it has, feels even alive. if that's someone's covered in fur and barks Exactly. A lot. And then just like seeing people very regularly. So even though this was like a big barf and like a lot of negativity, I do think that I'm going to figure this out and make it work. So that's what I think. Yeah. I mean, also, if you don't figure it out, that's there's still accomplishment there. Like the fact that you're talking about it and trying to sort through the feelings like that's kind of all we can do. I, know. I don't know that we're going to like nail this. I don't think we're like we found the answer. Like. Here's the remedy to right. nailing quarantine, like knowing how to do quarantine right. Like if it's doing just, quarantine right is tie dyeing, then I need to just go jump off a bridge right now. I, I mean, know. I think it's just I so it's, it's so hard for everyone. But then like people with like mental health issues, it's like the idea of getting on more meds is like, ugh, and like the fact that this thing is going to put some people back in terms of like their sleep progress and their anxiety progress it's just it makes me very frustrated at COVID because I'm like god it's like I feel like you're pu pulling me back to less healthy mental times you know? yes but I mean that's happening not but and that's happening I think 
I think it's triggering everybody in different ways. Like I know a lot of people are struggling with food issues, eating issues, weight gain, you know, people, the divorce rates are up, the domestic violence rates are up. I mean, like, you know, it's kind of having this ripple effect and, uh, yeah, it's not, I wouldn't say it's, I think the only thing you can glean from it, I might've brought this up on an earlier episode, but I think Oprah was talking about how, what it'll do is it's going to make you like confront the parts of yourself that you just didn't have the time to confront and now you have it. So I think there is a, there is a chance of coming out on the other side, quote unquote, stronger, but it's interesting. It's not like we were all like dying to get a big life lesson. Like, you know what I mean? You're like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I can be an easier way. Exactly. Like, exactly. To go to Peru exactly. Like, it's go yeah. Can I, yes, exactly. Can I just like, you Isn't know, see Machu Picchu to- and like, <laughs> Yeah, sit on a gorgeous mountaintop. I would have done that on my time. I didn't. Yeah, exactly. I would have done it on my time. Yeah. Let me schedule it. Yeah. Yeah, Let me schedule. Let me schedule my life lessons. I think there's a more fun way to learn things. Yeah, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Jamie, who are you, and how was your week? Oh, um, my week was was okay. Um, Yeah, the weeks are definitely blurring together. Like, I don't remember the last time we talked the last time, like anything super exciting or interesting happened. just doesn't, that's just not my life right now. Um, but I did big things aren't no big things are not. No, they are not. It's couldn't be more subtle. Um, but yeah, I, I had a weird thing happen this week. I, I had a good work week in terms of just like getting a lot done. We're, we're getting closer to editing, finishing the edit on my show. And that's like all really exciting. Um, but I had this thing happen where I felt uh, I'm noticing that uh, there's someone I work with who talks down to me a lot. And uh, it's very I am in this place where I I what I want to do is uh, I will be told that I'm um, I'm told very, very frequently that uh, I am overwatching edits and uh, over overthinking things. I'm told that a lot. Uh, I've gotten several emails about it. You're an it. EP, right? Yes. Okay. Well. Um, well, get ready. So, yeah. And I'm like, I know I am definitely unapologetically, admittedly, detail oriented no question um it's also, my even if you're face controlling, on a that thing makes somebody a better artist that's how people are yeah good. yes and also it just is what it is i am who i am this is my lens you know this is how i do also things your I, show yeah i mean that you would think that that would be enough to sort of explain all of it but even taking that out of the equation it's like this is just the way i do things like when i was editing my book I was very obsessive about word choice. I was also really big into like repetition. If I saw a word a couple of times, it like really turned me off. I turned, I talked about that in an earlier episode. I have a weird thing about when authors. Yeah. I really am like, I try to thesaurus thought, whatever that term is. That's good writing girl. Yeah. It's a big deal to me. And I think that a lot of people have, we all kind of have our own lexicon. We use like a lot of the same words over and over. And like when you're watching yourself in over the course of six episodes, you're like, oh, wow, I say that word all the time. And it drives me insane. It's like listening to yourself on a voicemail. So I'm just doing sort of things where I'm like, oh, we have too much of this here, whatever. It's weak. Point is everyone listening understands what I'm saying. I get, I'm detail oriented. Anyways. 
So then I get this email that's like, I've had actually two different emails at this point from two different people being like, Hey, Jamie, like we say this with kindness, but you're overthinking things. Um, you know, uh, you know, and one of them recently, the one that I got this week was, um, it's yeah. Stop overthinking things. It's time to quote unquote, put your EP hat on and start focusing on these other episodes uh, that we have coming up. Hat. And I was like, Which hat are you supposed to my, take I'm sorry. I need to put, I am putting on my EP hat. That is why I'm giving these notes because I'm the EP. The hat's on. There's no hat that needs to come off. The hat is staying on and is, has been on. So it was just like, it felt like I was being How did you deal gaslighted. with it? Gaslighted. I, well, I don't know if this is right or if this is necessarily the most, um, the most effective approach. But my theory currently, and it could change, is you hear, you hear the notes, you don't respond, and you just keep pushing. Great. Like I have literally just been like, you can literally tell me that I make your life a living hell and you're going to keep getting emails from me. Great. I love it. I can't not stand by my project. Like there is no amount of insulting me that is going to make me back down. Also, you are an EP. You are allowed to. Absolutely. And I wouldn't want that for anyone. I wouldn't want it for anyone else involved in this project even if they weren't an ep i want people to say how they feel say what they think jamie that sucks actually jamie that's a really good idea whatever it is i want everyone to voice themselves like i am not in a zone where i like to live in a vacuum when people aren't communicating i would i have a thick skin and i think people underestimate what i can hear and it's very frustrating i also think the reason you have a show and that makes and me a miranda <laughs> <laughs> just to tie it back. I realized I did not declare who I was this week and that is not okay on this podcast. So the yeah. truth is though, it's like whether you want to call it detail oriented, controlling, micromanaging, however yep. it is at the end of the day, people who are successful are all of those things. And the people that let things slide are not the way things get very, very good is people go over it and go over it and go crazy. And it's like, you know, you are more invested than everyone else. This is based on your book. This is, you are in every single frame. You are also an EP. That's what you I'm are saying. are going to be the most invested. Duh, obvious. But I also, that's what I think I'm having a hard time. I almost wrote back, I almost wrote back to, one email was on the kinder side, um, was more like loving, like, hey, you know, I think you're watching this really closely. It's, you know, the things you're worried about, it's not a big deal, that kind of tone. And I was like, okay, fine. But then the next one was just flat out like. Rude. Rude. And I chose to not I just said I hear what you're saying and I just kept Jamie I, was I like, think okay. that it's brilliant I just have no need to defend myself and I think that if I were to write back hey just to let you know um I my my EP hat has been on like what I mean come on I I don't even I don't even need to say that sentence out loud because I know I'm good at my job I believe enough in what I do to know I'm good at my job so I I was like oh it's beneath me to literally justify myself to these people I, I don't have any interest in it. I just want to get this thing to be good. So it was just disheartening being t put my fucking EP hat on. Give me a break. It's Ugh. really rude. And I'm actually very it's impressed so with the way you handled rude. it. It's so rude. And it's also like this is coming from someone. I've been on hours and hours and hours of phone calls about call the me. show. Just call me. I know, but no, I'm saying about the show, like I'm on all these, on all of these phone calls that this person who told me to put my EP hat on is not on. So it's like, 
I literally am doing all this work. I don't get paid extra at all. I'm doing tons and tons of work. And then it's like I'm being told that I'm acting like, I guess, immature or unprofessional. And it's like, absolutely not. Like, I'm many things. I have many flaws. I have a lot to learn, but I'm not unprofessional. It's just not one of them. Listen, I, I, I don't know. When you get renewed for season two and the show gets great ratings, then you can hopefully let this person go. I mean, it's wild. I would never say that to someone. In any position of power, I would never write that to someone. Listen, a lot of people are lazy or they just don't want to do the extra work. And no, they don't. And it requires don't. going back and changing things. But that's how things get better. I'm sorry yeah. that you had to get that email. But I, I, I'm proud of you for not sending a mean email, sending something you regret flying off the handle it sounds like you are very yeah but then there's part of me that's like is that just because I I like I, I'm like am I justifying my lack of not backbone but my am I justifying my tactic of being passive um no, I don't think you are I don't think I am but it's because it's a fine you, line it's a fine you know line because I should have said yeah tell me because if people aren't going to change and you know for sure there's nothing you can say that will change anything. Why go through that? That's, hassle? I think, how I feel. That's how if I so, feel. If it was like with a person you loved or cared about or, you know, and there was really some something that you needed to, like, work through, fine. But there's some things that are just not worth it. And it's just like, yeah, good point. Thanks. Cool. See you. Bye. Right. Fine. That's what I said. I, yeah, my new one is I hear what you're saying. And it's great. <laughs> I hear I, what you're saying. I think it's smart. Doesn't mean I am internalizing it or letting it, it seep was, into my blood but i do hear it if it was someone personal in your life who was like jamie this really hurt my feelings and you just said i hear what i'm saying and you never wrote back then that would be shitty but it's a weird professional person that you're not close to it's fine yeah you, you so handled it well i'm proud of you thank you hi everybody tim heidecker here with huge news we have a terrific episode of Office Hours Live prepared for you. We had the great stand-up comedian Kyle Kinane come in and a very special in-studio music session from legendary Emdu Mokhtar. You're not going to want to miss this one. You can find it on your podcast app of choice by going to Sears or Macy's and getting an iPod and then coming home, charging it up, and listening through your app. Anyways, all okay. right. Well, let's get into the episode for the love of God. Okay, so season four, episode seven. Um, just anyone you know who's new to the podcast, this is a Sex in the City podcast, believe it or not. And we're covering season four, episode seven. Uh, it's called Time and Punishment. Rose, kick it off. The episode kicks off with Aiden and Carrie in bed. They're back together and things are going great until the phone rings. Okay, something happened. Something bad? Big called while Aiden and I were making love. Something bad. Oh, the machine picked up. What did you do? Nothing. We just kept making love. He could keep going after that. Honey, he's a keeper. Never mind him. How'd you do? Fine, I finished. You did? I had to. And I haven't worked that hard at anything since my SATs. This is awful. Did you talk about it? Nope. We just went to sleep. And when I woke up, Aiden was on the other side of the bed. Usually he sleeps right next to me, you know, like right here. And I just, I get 
in his little nook. Well, maybe he's just sleeping differently. Maybe, or maybe he'll never forget what happened, and every time the phone rings, he'll think that it's Big calling to start affair number two. Mm. That's a big maybe. I was just hoping that we could just start fresh. And now I think we're gonna have to talk about it. Well, what are you gonna do? Sit Aiden down and explain about Big? Unless Hallmark makes a sorry I cheated card. No one wants to hear about their lover's past lovers. What happened was in the past, leave it there. It's on my answering machine. I have to talk about it. Interesting. Yeah, um, I cannot believe that they kept having sex after Big Halt. <laughs> I mean, Aiden's stamina is something to be applauded. I don't know how he did it. He even, Big, by the way, in the answering machine message, says baby. He's like, call me back, baby. It's like, Jesus Christ, it couldn't have been like less platonic sounding. Well, it's interesting because we talk a lot about this within the context of the show. And also when Jamie and I are sharing about our lives, about how hard it is to communicate and how intimidating it is. And it's funny that like when Big calls and leaves, as Jamie mentioned, a very sexy message. It sounds sexy for sure. Absolutely. Obviously, they were both affected by it. And even though it's hilarious that they keep having sex, It's kind of interesting to me, like, the lengths that we will go to to not talk about our feelings. Oh, God. Like, here, here. Like, wow. Like, he just left a message. Like, what if they had both just paused and stopped and said, this was really weird. Let's stop doing this. Because even though it's very good for comedy, I'm not talking about what they should have done in the show. What they should have done in the show is perfect. But in real life, um, having sex anyway is just, I don't know. I mean, I actually think in real life they wouldn't have been able to. Two people who had been cheated on, a person who'd been cheated on and the one who cheated, getting a message from that person, in real life, he would lose his boner and she wouldn't be able to have sex. I really don't think you could finish that. No, and also, yeah, I mean, I think that the fact that Aiden puts up with this is, I mean, it's just surprising, like, it's one thing if she's kind of weird and like evasive about it, but it's weird that he wouldn't be like, Carrie, what the fuck? Like, what's going on? Like, how does he, for his own peace of mind, not bring it up? Like, hey, I can't, I've been down this road, I can't take it. I think he, I mean, he does over the course of the episode. Yes. Evidence how he takes it, which is to say that like he resents her, yes. he's mad at her, he buries his his immediate frustrations in uh, being rude to her. Uh, like, well, obviously we'll, we'll get to that, but like he, he's just one of these people who deflects and compartmentalizes and lets it uh, stew underneath and then uh, lets it boil out. And it's like not, it's also a toxic dynamic, but I think that's how he deals. Right. And it's like, Carrie is, I think Carrie's a little too can play at that game because she can't, mm-hmm. She's not the one drawing it out of him either. I mean, you know, this whole episode is like the lengths she goes to reassure him what a great boyfriend he is. But she does that when she she makes such an effort to do that when she could just have a simple like, hey, that was weird. You're like, there's just it's so strange that she doesn't considering how much she wants him to be normal with her. 
it seems like the fastest route would be to just nip it in the bud and say this is weird. But instead, she just keeps going. And then she's like, why is he being so distant? Why is he being so distant? It's like, we'll just talk to him about it. Yeah, I think per- my read on it uh, is that that's almost almost uh, a human choice that she makes and in the yes. i think the writing's good there no, which the is writing to say is that, good like, you're right she wants to get past it immediately like the and aiden yeah can't quite get past it but her yeah her take is just like i'm not gonna cheat on i'm not gonna cheat on you aiden again with big this message is strange but like our life is what it is now so let's move yeah. past it like she wants it to be normal which is also not great and not effective. And also not fair. I mean, it's, yeah. it's interesting because, again, like it makes it a good show. But I think that this storyline and this episode and the next episode are really, really interesting because it's exploring something that probably happens all the time, which is people cheat in relationships all the time. And I think often they work through it. I don't think every yep. cheat ends in an end of a relationship. No, absolutely not. And it, it's very fascinating to think, how do people work through this? How, how do you gain trust? Because I think some people do and they work through it. And this is sort of like how you don't work through it, which is like you ignore it, you pretend it's not there. Also, there's, there's a disrespect for for big to call her baby and for her not to say i'm so sorry i'm gonna call him right now tell me can't call me at this time he can't say that yes it's very disrespectful because it's kind of like treating aiden like a cuck like yes you know but um in conclusion um this scene is sort of i think a good microcosm of why these people are not good together because I don't think he trusts her. And I also don't think he stands up for himself and being passive aggressive and not saying how you really feel, even if you were hurt, even if he was wronged, being an asshole and being passive aggressive. And we'll, we'll talk about it later in the rundown, but doing the things he does doesn't make it okay. Just because your feelings are hurt doesn't mean you can be mean to somebody else. Right. And also I think maybe on, sort of a like more subconscious level for Carrie. I do ultimately think that what's going on is a turn off. Um, what do you mean? I, I think the way that Aiden is behaving is symptomatic of something that intrinsically would turn Carrie off. Like there is a weakness in not standing up for yourself and not sort of sticking like, your neck fuck? out. Yeah. yeah. Because as much as we, whatever big has plenty of issues and flaws. Um, I don't think that big wouldn't, talk like big seems to kind of say things even if it's painful to hear so i think for carrie that that's that is sort of a quality she's attracted to and i think that she doesn't necessarily know it here but i do think it's what sort of contributes to her like building a case in her mind of like why her and aiden are like not they're not really a hundred percent right for each other yeah i mean i think they both display behavior that is unhealthy they're both avoiding conversation they're both being passive about it they're they're not being direct and i mean i just really feel this scene because i feel like some of the issues i've been having lately with like my family is just like if there's a problem we need to fucking talk about it and i know so so, many people are so scared of talking about it and then the alternative is this then you don't talk about it and you keep having sex after a weird thing happened there's no way his penis actually stayed hard. I'm sorry. No, he definitely just like kind of shoved his little nubbin in there. 
and it just like squirted right yeah, out. Yeah, it just like yeah, slinked just out. Just yeah, yeah. sort of deflated. <laughs> Um, like five minutes of the most nightmarish sex oh where God. they weren't even looking at each the other. Worst. Their faces just like, just so tight focusing. Yeah. Oh my just God. Just complete like turn to opposite ends of the room. Like. It's almost like the sex was so bad that like that was a kink in and of itself. And yeah. that's what like got them painful. off. Yeah. She's like, they're like, this is a form of masochism for yeah, sure. Like, Carrie contacts Big afterwards. She's like, you gotta do that more. Yeah, that, that really <laughs> worked. That call. Strangely worked for us <laughs> a lot. You gotta do that more. That's funny. Okay, Jamers. Yeah, so back to Charlotte. She has a big announcement of her own. She is quitting the gallery. Everyone assumes she's got something lined up, and she does. Motherhood. Trey pitched her on stopping working, and she's doing it. After lunch, Samantha picks up a new guy. We don't know his name, but we do know he steals cabs. He jumps right into the one Sam hailed and takes off. When he hits a red light, Sam jumps right in, and they have sex back at her place. And Carrie has another fraught morning with Aiden. He's acting like he's over the big call, but he isn't. He won't kiss her, and he slid all the way across the bed from her in the middle of the night. Meanwhile, Charlotte is still stewing on everyone's less than supportive reaction to her quitting. She calls Miranda to hash it out. You were so judgmental at the coffee shop yesterday. Excuse me? You think I'm one of those women. What? One of what women? One of those women we hate who just works until she gets married. Charlotte, it's 8.15. That's not a response. It's an 8.15 in the morning response. The women's movement is supposed to be about choice. And if I choose to quit my job, that is my choice. The women's movement? Jesus Christ, I haven't even had coffee yet. It's my life and my choice. Okay, Charlotte, this isn't about me. This is your stuff. Admit it, you're being very judgmental. I'm dripping all over my bathroom, and you're calling me judgmental. And if you have a problem with quitting your job, maybe you should take it up with your husband. See? There it is. Your husband. There's nothing wrong with having a husband. Charlotte, I'm hanging up. <gasps> Don't you dare hang up and then and, and, and stop saying Charlotte like that. I am quitting my job to make my life better and do something worthwhile like have a baby and cure AIDS. Oh! You're going to cure AIDS? Good for you, Charlotte. Just don't be too disappointed if all you wind up with is a pretty ceramic mug with Trey's name on it. Take that back. I'm hanging up. Don't you dare hang up. I'm interviewing girls to replace me, and I really need you to get behind my choice. You get behind your choice. I am behind my choice. I choose my choice. Charlotte, I don't have time for this. I have to go to work. Some of us still have to go to work. I choose my choice. I choose my choice. I okay, so, James, what did you think about that phone call between her and Miranda? What do you think about that? Uh, I do agree with Charlotte that the women's movement is about choosing your choice. And just on a comedy level, I love I choose my choice. I choose my choice. It's I feel hilarious. like I've said that before. And I didn't even realize that it came from this show. Like I've said it sort of jokingly before. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the scene that inspired that. Um, I choose my choice. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, it is confusing. It is a little confusing as to why Charlotte wants to quit. Um, then I, I don't think that's really explained. I mean, they, you know, it is said... Well, Trey suggested it and maybe, you know, she was like, oh, I, I feel like I don't have a lot of time, you know, but it is it is interesting. I, I, I'm not really sure. 
I would I would like to hear more why she really wants to quit. And I don't feel like we got that from this episode. We got kind of a false, you know, like, oh, you know, I just think I'd like to be one of those girls who like paints mugs. Like it it feels like the writers have a, they had a very strong opinion on people who do that, like these sort of you know, typical like Park Avenue cliche women who just don't work and have rich husbands. But I think it would have been a much more nuanced argument if we really heard why Charlotte wants to do it, because she kind of we only hear her sort of cartoonish, you know, I just feel like you're being very judgmental. It's like, well, what do you really feel like? Why do you really want to quit your job? And and if it is wanting to just be a housewife like well I would like to hear Charlotte like just stand up for that a little more and 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 make that argument um and you know sort of weigh the pros and cons of why she's feeling conflicted um but I I do think comedy wise the way this is written is excellent yeah I agree it's an interesting point you bring up is you know you brought up a bunch of things I think are really interesting I think that you're right that the show is written by a bunch of very smart funny career driven women who really can't identify with the stay at home mom thing and probably without necessarily meaning to might be a bit judgmental about that oh, choice. oh yeah yes and I think you're right that that does come through in the writing I also agree that people should be able to do whatever they want I think the problem with this is it doesn't I think there's two things happening here. I think the girls are judgmental about stay-at-home moms. And yep. then I think they also are sensing something which is disturbing, which is that Charlotte doesn't necessarily seem like she really wants to do this. It's just something that Trey planted and now she's going with. So it would be more fucked up if Charlotte seemed really passionate and excited about this. It more seems like she's trying to convince herself while talking to them, like she's trying to convince her yeah, it's actually, it's very sad. Well, and also, like, the amount that she needs Miranda's blessing, I think that was kind of a hilarious but also really well-written scene where Miranda's like, you be supportive of it. Like, yeah. like, of course we want people to like our decisions, but, for example, if I did something that you didn't like but I was really passionate about it, as much as I would love you to like it, well, too bad, I'm still going to do it. Like, you, Yeah, you bring up such a good point, which I don't even think I've, I actually have not thought about, that this is the first... This is the first sign in new Trey and Charlotte, like in in the remarriage, yes. Trey and Charlotte, back together again, Trey and Charlotte. This is the first sort of chink in the armor um, without Trey even being in the episode. This is a little like, it's a little bit like Trey put this in her mind and now she's like, yeah, maybe I should do that. But you really see her wrestling with it and, um, you know, trying to make sense of it. But Hmm. It's it's almost like you wish there was at least one scene with Kyle McLaughlin where you like saw this play out. Like you saw him talk to her about it. it would be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could see her thinking like I'm about to be like a lady of the house. I'm going to be a bunny, so I need to quit work so I can figure out our social invitations and so when we invite people over, the next day I can spend a whole day writing thank you notes and like we're going to have a ton of money and I'm going to be like the lady of the house. Yes. I think she thinks that. And I think he probably wants that. It's interesting. I mean, my sister and I had this whole interesting conversation recently because she's been at home full time with with the baby because of COVID because yeah. she lost all her jobs. And it's interesting because she was saying like, 
my brother-in-law, Jay, is a very like securely attached individual. He doesn't have like a bunch of mental health problems. He's not anxious. He's not depressed. He's like resilient and optimistic and easygoing. Mm -hmm. He has a really healthy attitude. And his mom Mm -hmm. stayed home and was completely there for him. And, you know, like she and I talked and we're like, there is a case that when people's parents really are home or at least their mothers, like they do tend to be less anxious and more relaxed because they like there is an argument for it, whether it's Hmm. good for the mom or not, or if you want to do it. But generally, I probably honestly is better for the kids. If the mom is not, you know, neurotic or unhealthy or something, it probably does make kids mentally stable to have a parent home. Like, yeah, I mean, I think there are, yes, I think there are pros and cons to that. Um, just in that, like, there's also the, there's that study that like working moms set a precedent to show their daughters, like, you know, you can do it all essentially. So there's like the inspiration side of it, but I agree. I wonder if just having that sort of like stability in the household and that like source of comfort, I mean, I'm, I'm an anxious person and I did not have my parents at home. So it's hard for me to. Yeah. I mean, I was completely a latchkey kid and I feel stressed all the time. So Right. But the problem is, I don't think Charlotte's really making the argument that like, first of all, she doesn't even have a kid. So this is all completely. Well, that's the part where it's like, yeah, you're like clearing the schedule so soon. I mean, we we know from friends and everything. It's like you can decide to have a kid and you can get pregnant the next day or you can get pregnant in two years. It's so premature to quit your job. And then even if you did, it's nine months before you have a baby. Ten months. Right. Um. Yeah, it's interesting. I I really wish, well, I wish that, I wish either there was a scene with Trey or I wish there was a scene where Charlotte has friends who are like her Upper East Side girls. I would like to see a little bit of like outside of the community of just Carrie, Miranda, and Samantha. I would like to see like a little bit of like that odd mom out vibe of like what is her life like on park avenue because that is such a it's almost like it's a microcosm it's its own world with its own set of you know social hierarchy and like bunny for example like bunny that's not just like a manhattan woman that's a very like that's a legacy type of woman so it, it would be interesting just to see a little more of like what is her life like being married to Trey and like being part of that kind of wealth. I think it's like, you know, it's like succession. It's like a, it's like a bubble. Yeah. It's also when they occasionally do show her with, um, sort of the Upper East Side, uh, hoi polloi, what have you, all those scenes are almost exclusively played for comedy. Like when she met her sorority sisters uh, fairly recently and she was too vulgar for them and like freaked them all out. Like they're, they have them occasionally, but they never have them as grounded. Charlotte is envious of the life that those people enjoy. And you don't really ever get to see the motivation for her pursuing it visualized or taken seriously. It's like actually, it's a pretty lonely thing in the way the show depicts it for Charlotte. Yes. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's hard. Cause I'm so glad the show is a comedy. It's so fun to watch, but I do think sometimes because of the comedy, it doesn't let us really get into certain things because this might have been a more emotionally impacting fight. If there was a part of Charlotte that felt like really maybe did want to quit her job and work. Yes. The reason it doesn't feel strong is because it feels 
phony and it maybe is phony. It's like, oh, my husband thought I should do this. I think I should do this. But it would be a little more interesting if there was a part of her that's like, yeah, maybe, maybe it's time to stop working and get off the rat race and like, you know, maybe this isn't the most important thing. Maybe family That's what I'm is. saying. I would like for her to like, I would like for her to kind of get into it. In a real way. Yeah, in a real way. And and like kind of bring it to the table to weigh her options with her friends versus this kind of like, nope, this is what I want to do. And yep, no, I, yep, this is, this is for me. This is what I want. Like, it's, it's great. I mean, again, this is amazing. The way they did this is within the realm of comedy makes total sense. It's just that if this show were around today i feel like i feel like it would come up in the writer's room where they're like oh i think maybe we need to dig into this a little bit more because there are different sides to this discussion not just my husband thinks it's good if i glaze bowls and it's also really weird because as much as charlotte is like obsessed with high society and like wants to be like a stepford wife type it seems to all come from inside of her and her dynamic with trey she does not seem like a little woman. She seems like she pretty much asks for what she wants, demands it, and gets it. So also this idea that Trey would push her to do something is actually new in their dynamic. I've almost never seen Trey push her to do anything. That's what I'm saying. That's why I would like, oh, I would love if they put a Trey scene in here. I would love it's to see of, this conversation. It's kind of why I think that this sequence in particular feels like it makes her a much more interesting character because it feels a little bit like... Her reticence to jump like uh, feet first into motherhood owes to like the other women, the the other members of the core four rubbing off on her a little bit. Like she she exists in this kind of in between space yes, where that's true. she yeah, wants it gives her so so much more dimension. Yeah, yeah. Like she she wants a life. She she says she wants a life to them that she doesn't feel like she totally has. Them being the core four, and then she when she starts to make steps towards having it, she she gets scared. And it's, um, yeah, it's interesting. It, yeah. it makes her read more dynamic. I like this question. Um, Jamie, have you ever made a decision that you felt kind of uncertain about and like really needed people mm. to like get behind and it was more about you not being sure of it? Um, definitely. I, I... I'll i start with one that happened recently. Please, please. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, you know, it's quarantine. I've been like messaging, matching, going on some social distance walk dates. And I ended up going on a date with this guy who told me on the first date that he had like just come out of like a four year, like really, really bad depression. Oh, wow. And I was like, you know, that's kind of a lot to hear on a first date. And, you know, I thought he was really nice and attractive and, you know, everything is so boring and shitty and COVID. I was like, oh, well, maybe I can just keep going out with him anyway. And big deal just going on walks who cares and then I went home and told my sister about it and she was like well obviously you're not going to keep dating him and I was like well why she's like come on like you've already just got out of a relationship with somebody who's depressed it's like you know you got to learn from these things and you know you want to be with somebody who's available it's not fun to be with somebody who's and I was kind of like doubling down and I was like well actually you know <laughs> You know, I think I choose my choice. I choose my choice. <laughs> yeah, I kind of chose my choice and was like, I'm really bored in COVID and he's tall and blonde. And like, you know, you have a partner you don't understand. Like I have needs. And then he and I kind of kept hanging out. And then this weekend we went to the beach and I kind of realized like, oh, it is really hard to be. With it would be really nice mm. to be with somebody that had a little more of a fun, jokey vibe. So 
she'll she never listens to this podcast so she won't know that she was right but i was really like wanting her i knew as soon as he said it rose this is not a good idea but when she said you shouldn't i was like "Ah, molly i really wanted her to like be on my side about it even though i knew that it was also not a good idea yeah I know. I'm like, as you were saying, I'm like, I really, I know I have so many examples and I can't access them. Oh, well, you have that so was many a great zamps. one. I have so many zamps, but I, yeah, that, that was like a perfect example. What do you think um, about stopping working? How, how do you feel personally about that? Could you ever see yourself doing that for any period of time? I could see myself taking a break, but because I'm freelance, I don't think that it would be as clear cut as I'm not going to work again. I think there are like I do feel like, especially post-COVID, there's going to be plenty of ways to, like, do it all from home just because that's kind of the precedent that's been set. So, um, Could yeah, you picture I see yourself myself... having a baby and then taking, like, a year or taking, like, six no, months? No. Absolutely not. Yeah, I don't maybe, so maybe a brief maternity leave. For, but... like, 48 to 72 hours. I mean, I'm going to be – yeah, I could see myself, like, one – like, I could see, like, my child, like, on my breast while I'm, like, writing emails. Like, that's probably – that feels probably more in line. As you're what, pushing the baby out, you're giving notes on edits. Yeah. I just <laughs> – I, I just don't – I'm a worker. Yeah, so I just, are you. We're workers. I just couldn't – I mean, but I also say that as someone who hasn't um, done that, and I'm sure – I would definitely hit a point where I'm like, this is insane to try and juggle motherhood and work equally. Like, it's just impossible. Something's got to give. You're like, something's got to give. Bye, family. Bye, baby. (laughs) Yeah. This is harder Um, than I thought. Yeah. I guess I'll take my mom up on that whole, give me your grandkids. They can come, (laughs) your kid, they can come live with me. You can send them to adoption at any age. Yeah. It's really cool how that works. So much flexibility. It's insane to like give your kid away at like 17 and a half. I'm like, bye. It's just not working. <laughs> it's like, um, okay, it's here we go. Recently, it got very inconvenient for me. You know, me. we spent a lot of time together. I feel like I've set you up for success. It's just six more months. Just figure it out. Like, we had a good run. Don't get me wrong. It's just not really working for me right now. You're like, turns um, out you can't have it all. So, yeah, it was a tough <laughs> turns out to I, make. I was really sacrificing, and you're not worth it. So yeah. sorry. They, they say as soon as you have your kid, you love them. But I've ta- it's taken me seven and a half years. <laughs> it's been seven, so long. And I don't and I'm feel it. I still a strong don't feel like it. maybe, but yeah. You're, you can be very funny sometimes. You're you're you and you're warm. You know, you have a warmth to you. <laughs> and you're very good looking, which you yeah, know, you're welcome. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, anyway, so after they hang up, Miranda throws out her neck. It's such a Miranda thing to do to have neck pain. I'm such a Miranda. It's like her body doesn't work. She's such an old woman. I just, oh my God, how she was like on the rug, like clamped to it, like with her little hands over the edge of the rug. I love her. So anyway, Miranda throws her neck out. Meanwhile, Carrie and Aiden keep their tension going. He's clearly hung up on something. As he slaps a nicotine patch on her back and yells over old milk. Side note, John Corbett is a great actor. His, he is. His passive aggressive anger towards her feels really real to me. Yes, agreed. He was like just asshole enough to where you're like, we still love him. But he's like, really good. He, he, if he had gone a little further, we would have been like, this is irredeemable. No, so, but yeah, he's great. perfect. She, final, she finally gets him to come out with it. He's stressed about work. Yeah, right. It has nothing to do with her. Nothing 100% zero to do. 
He's still weird, though, and won't really invite her out that night for drinks with the guys. But again, he's totally fine. Miranda calls and breaks up Carrie and Aiden's little argument. She needs Carrie to come help her with her neck. Carrie can't, so Aiden offers. Maybe he really was hung up on work. He shows up to find Miranda naked and sprawled out on her bathroom floor. The neck is apparently very serious. They do a little don't look at me, I'm naked dance, but Aiden tosses a towel over Miranda and is a genuine help to her. He's a good dude. Big would never do that. Oh, no. He'd be like, which one's Miranda? Yeah, exactly. And Charlotte gets to work finding her replacement, but it doesn't take long. She tells the first woman she meets that she's hired, then lies about why she's leaving. Maybe she isn't so sure? Carrie tracks Aiden down that night after all. Turns out the guys he was supposed to have drinks with blew him off. He's just playing jacks with a cute bartender named Shayna. They have a flirty thing going and Carrie's kind of freaked out by it. Aiden ends up blowing Carrie off that night and she heads to Miranda's to check in and vent. Miranda isn't really having it, however. She sees right through Carrie and sides with Aiden. Okay, a couple of things. The scene where he flirts with that girl is so oh, painful. It's brutal. And totally it's long, too. It's a long scene. I've totally been there when, like, an ex is mad at me, so they just do this thing that they know is hurting your feelings. And that woman is so shitty because she knows it's the girlfriend. Like, just be cool. And she's and so be nice. hot. And she's so hot. Also, like, we need a moment for Carrie's extensions. They look so good. I know. And her, oh my God. That hat is horrific. Her abs are amazing. Yeah. She's wearing a shirt that comes just below her boobs. And then her skirt doesn't start until right on top of her pubic hair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's torso city population one. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. um, You know, the tiniest hourglass you've ever seen, but it is an hourglass. No, she looks great. It's like the teeny tiny hourglass that comes in like. (laughs) It's a dollhouse. Yeah, it's a dollhouse hourglass, but it looks great. I love her horse hair. She has like a horse's tail of a pony. She really does. And then she's wearing the world's worst brown newsies cap, which I have a lot of problems with. Yeah, it's it is it's you know, it's not necessarily the outfit you would want to wear to like go get your boyfriend (laughs) to pay attention to you when you have like hot bartender competition. But, you know. Again, her t- full torso was out and her it was outfit quite chiseled. Great. The, the, the brown, it's like, I mean, obviously I'm not like a, a stylist, but I just feel like she looked amazing, that hair. And then to be like, let's top it off with a brown Newsies cap was just like an I interesting know, choice. It's, it's just there's always one little <laughs> accessory too far. It's always a bit much, yeah. um, so but anyway, I do love it. Yeah. Anyway. So Samantha and her cab guy wrap up another round of sleeping together. And just as he's heading out, He leaves her with a charming little wreck. She needs to wax. She's too hairy, which honestly, if anyone ever said that to me, they could fuck right off. I would be so horrified. Goodbye. Done. Okay. Carrie and Sam catch up over Pete, Aiden's dog. Carrie's walking him to try to get back in Aiden's good graces, but something is wrong. Pete has diarrhea and Sam can't hang. Carrie rushes him back to Aiden's workshop where she gets another surprise. Shayna, the bartender, is there hanging with Aiden yet again. Carrie freaks out and rushes home. Later, Aiden shows up to talk things over. Also, the fact that he was talking to that girl again is like, okay, now you're just being like actually cruel. It's so mean. Nothing happened. I thought about it. Do you want to come in? Too pissed to come in. 
I hate that he calls here. Nothing's happening. Or will ever happen. You have to know that, right? I would never do that to you again. Never. I don't want you to see him ever again. Can't do that. He's in my life. It's not the same way you are, but he is. Aiden, you can't keep punishing me. And I can't keep punishing me. I made a mistake and I am sorry. And I know that you can't forget what happened, but I hope that you can forgive me. You have to 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 forgive me, Aiden. You have to forgive me. You have to forgive me. What did you think about the scene, um, James and Sky? I I like the way that Sarah Jessica Parker plays it. I think it's really it it does it plays the pain of it very well. But I also still we talked about this a little bit last episode where I I personally find the return of Aiden to be a little under undercooked, and I don't Same. I just don't love it as a storyline. So. While I think again the performances in the scene, I think Aiden's good too. He's frustrated. He he's too pissed to come in. Um, John Corbett, that is. Um, but I don't. I, I just don't love this scene because it comes from a storyline that I think is not great personally. What do you think, Jamalina? Um, I uh, I mean, her. You have to forgive me. Is and how there's like seven of them in a row. It's pretty brilliant. I'm into it. Um, I like how just from an acting standpoint, each one is different. You can really hear like she has a different like they're all begging. They all have the same intention, but each one has like a different intonation, which um, I just enjoy. And I think it's an interesting it's interesting writing. It's it's interesting acting. Um, I I don't I I enjoy the return of Aiden. I am going to say I enjoy the return of Aiden. Um, I. I am not, I don't understand, I, uh, I guess I get it because I understand Carrie being like, that guy can't not be in my life, but it's not like that. In a way, it actually makes me trust her more because she's saying, well, yes, and also it makes me trust her because to say he can be in my life and it's fully platonic and it's not like that to me is more of a sign that it's over than saying, oh, yeah, you're right. He'll he'll never call here again. Like to me, that's more suspicious because if you're really over someone, I mean, I, I have ex-boyfriends. I've I've hung out with them with my husband. Like, you know what I mean? It's like it's so done and in the past that there's just nothing to worry about. So. I don't have multiple. I have one. But I I just think it is more of a sign of like that chapter is closed. Um that said, no idea how Aiden can just keep being okay with the fact that he calls. Like it it's yeah, nobody wins here. It's just a bad bad situation. It's interesting because I haven't 
I've taken like only a very small amount of acting classes in my life, but there is an acting technique where you say the same line again and again. Yes. It's like part of a process. People yes. do it in exercise. Isn't it Meisner? I have no idea. I think it's Meisner. It may be. But I didn't like that in the scene. I felt like mm -hmm. I was watching an acting class. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, because, you're right. It was a little acting because class. Because her acting is fantastic and she's very good. But in, but what pulled me out is like, I don't think people really repeat things not seven times. times no yeah it, it felt like i was watching like a really good acting class of like here are all the different choices of ways you could say this that's a sidebar to the scene um no you're right that's a that <laughs> is interesting i i liked it just because it's so memorable i'm like oh this is the part where she says you have to forgive me seven times in a row like it's fucking candy man staring in the mirror and then he just doesn't say anything. So I think I like it from like an iconic perspective. No, but I agree with you. It's so it weird. Didn't, it didn't. I wasn't pulled in. But there's a bunch of things that are interesting in the scene to me. First of all, he makes a request. I don't want you to ever see him again. I understand why he made that request. But you can't tell your partner who they can hang out with and who they can't. Period. Yeah. And I think to your point, Jamie, I think you're right. I think. The thing about cheating is there's betrayal. I think her saying, let me be real with you. I don't want to betray you, but let me be real with you. He's in my life. That shows a growth from cheating because I agree. the betrayal mindset is, okay, sure, whatever. That's yeah. fine. There's a bunch of things that were not discussed in this scene that I think in a healthy relationship would be. For example, if I hurt my, if I hurt your feelings and you're triggered by something I've done in the past, it is absolutely not okay for you to flirt with another woman egregiously in my face, spend a bunch of time with a female bartender to get me back. If you're upset, you are allowed to be upset, but we need to talk about it. It's not tit for tat. I hurt you. You hurt me. The fact that there was no discussion of we can't go like this. You just because you're mad at me doesn't mean you can sh like almost fuck a bartender. Like, yep. You can tell me how you're feeling. Also, Side note, how brutal when he was like, I did think about it. <laughs> like, obviously we knew, we knew we could infer, but when he said like, no, you were right. I was thinking of fucking her. It's just like, ouch. And she works for him. You're like, cool. So you just have to like, keep seeing that girl you want to fuck. Yeah, she works I, at I, your bar. It's like a nightmare. Yeah. I think the thing is just because someone in the relationship hurt someone else's feelings or made a misstep or did something wrong. I don't think that that buys the other person being cruel or sl slinging it back or anything like no, that. That's just, of course not. But that also is what makes this so real. It's true. Is that like, People that's his that. way of processing. Oh yeah. I mean, he's definitely not in the right, but I do think it's believable. hundred percent. Instead of bringing it up, he's just going to be like, I'll just like be shitty to her instead. You know, what's funny. If people were good communicators, there'd be like no TV shows. I know. <laughs> Thank God. Like, Thank God we're all broken. <laughs> yeah. Like if people knew how to communicate, there would be, you just, there would be no drama because I know. And then I think it's interesting how in this scene, she's just asking for forgiveness for him. Whereas I think he has some things to forgive too. I think he needs to say, I'm going to work on my resentment because it's not fair for Carrie to be with somebody who's like, I'm going to be with you, but I'm going to make you feel bad for that dis indiscretion you did and never let it go. And never, and you're always going to be in the wrong and I can behave however I want. That's not fair. If you're going right. to choose to stay, you have to learn to forgive. Right. 
And um, I thought it was interesting that like, he's hurt, he's upset, he doesn't even want to come in the house. Then she says to him, I am going to keep seeing big. And all she has to say is you have to forgive me. And that works. Interesting that that worked. I mean. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Aiden is fucking back in the mix. Have you I mean, ever felt like either one of these characters in your real life? Like a. um, I don't think I've ever begged for forgiveness. I'm trying to think if I have. In that way. Um, I've definitely been more Aiden. I'm. Yeah, I can definitely. Be passive aggressive. Yeah, me too. I think. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just the easier. No, it's not. I wouldn't say it's a default setting for either of us, but I think that in in this situation, it is so. It's. I think that Aiden has so much like unhealed anger wound yeah. to him that it makes sense. It makes sense what he's doing. I mean, you it is kind of unreasonable to get back with Carrie after what she did. But the, it, it's not that it can't be done. Choice. So if he's going to do it, then he needs to exactly, do it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I think that it seems like they got back together. They kind of, it's interesting. Yeah, what you're saying makes sense. It's like they broke up because of dishonesty. And now they're also dealing with dishonesty. They're They're a little dishonest with each other. Um, they broke up because of blatant dishonesty because she was cheating, but now there's a different type of dishonesty, which is that he is trying to be in a relationship that he really in his heart of hearts knows he can't be in. It's like, it'll just never. And that's kind of on him. It's like, if you're going to, and it's on him be in something yeah. destructive and not learn from it, then you're just going well, to go around it, and around. I wonder if that ever came up in the writer's room. It's like, well, in the in the first iteration of their relationship, she was the dishonest one, and now he's being the dishonest one. I think because that's also I think that's also very much in the writing of the way that relationship picks back up. Cuz like in the last episode, he was nothing but he was nothing if not resistant to Carrie wanting to be with him again, and then at the end they just sort of hand wave his objections away by he just shows up and he's like Let's do it. Like, there's no thought. There's no discussion. They don't like set terms for what the relationship's going to be going forward. It's just okay. We'll we'll. I, that's also what bumps me about the storyline a little bit because it's just like they hand wave what they hand wave the decision making. I can kind of mm-hmm. relate to that though because I feel like I've gotten back together with people where I knew nothing would change. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know what you mean. But I just kind of. Um, I don't know through weakness or whatever. I just did it. So or hope or hopefulness. It could there there both. could be hope there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I do think it's actually very real, and I think that this is probably um, our for our Instagram followers and our listeners would love to to hear your side of this. But something that feels very real about this is I think in real relationships where couples have had and in a couple where there's been an indiscretion. And they decide to stay together. Probably there's a lot of couples therapy, but I bet you that for a time, the per, the the partner who was betrayed acts out and does some mean stuff. I I can Definitely. I can see that being a part of the healing process that eventually, soon sooner than rather than later, needs to end because yes. it's not fair. Right? Yeah, it feels researched. It it feels like that that choice for Aiden was researched. Um, sorry. Go ahead, Sky. I was just gonna say I think that. Much like what we were saying with Charlotte earlier, where you want 
you want a beat where you kind of see the the justification. I kind of wish we'd seen like Steve and Aiden like talk over his uh, decision yeah. to get back with Carrie. Just just even the slightest beat that that justifies it would be nice and and uh, help with the logic for yeah. me anyway. Yeah. So Charlotte has her last day at the gallery while her replacement has her first. She leaves the gallery behind, ready to take on her future with Trey. Samantha gives the cabman a crotch shave and they're all good. The episode closes with Miranda blowing off work to keep recovering. And Carrie and Aiden snuggle at her place. They're not all the way back to normal, but they're getting there. Which leads okay. us to the question of the episode. Later that day... I got to thinking about relationships and partial lobotomies, two seemingly different ideas that might just be perfect together, like chocolate and peanut butter. Think how much easier it would all be if there was some swift surgical procedure to whisk away all the ugly memories and mistakes and leave only the fun trips and special holidays. But until that day arrives, what to do? Rely on the same old needlepoint philosophy of forgive and forget? And even if a couple can manage the forgiveness, has any ever really conquered the forgetness? Can you ever really forgive if you can't forget? It's a really interesting question. Yeah. What do you think about this, James? Um, I I'm gonna sound I'm probably gonna sound very bitter, but I I always thought that the notion of forgiveness was a little confusing. Um, Go on. Obviously, if it's, well, I mean, you know, like when I think of like, I get, I don't know. I, I understand we're supposed to, and I definitely have. It's not like I'm like incapable of forgiving. But when it's something as traumatic as like someone cheating or like even when you hear, you know, people who like whatever, someone in their family was killed and they're like, but I forgive the person who did it. I'm always like, I don't know. There, yes, I'm sure that part of you has as a as a way that you've told yourself that you need to to move on. But I don't, I don't know. I think that if you have a hard time forgetting something, I I I do think forgiveness is right there. And I don't really. I think it's easier said than done. I guess is my point. Do you think you could forgive someone that betrayed you? Mm. I mean, I, I, yes, I could forgive them. I don't know that it would, but I think, I don't think that it would result in us like resuming on the same level we were before. I just, yeah. And I think in this case with Carrie and Aiden being like, let's give it another shot. It's like, okay, um, definitely, you know, that, like we've said, there, are, that has happened. It's not that you can't bounce back from that kind of indiscretion. You definitely can. But I think that it comes with a lot of communication, a lot of open dialogue. But and in this case, having, yeah. they are not doing it. That's They're exactly just sort right. of like, yeah, let's just like pretend it never happened. And it's like, well, that's not, you're, you'll never get over it then. That's interesting. I, I have a really complicated relationship with forgiveness. I I have a really hard time forgiving. I have some people in my life that I have felt very wronged by who I don't know if I have forgiven them. But yeah. like through therapy and 12-step and stuff and just through people that I know, 
I have heard that like forgiving a, another person is not about saying that it was okay what they did. Yeah. But it's actually kind of just releasing it off of you because if you keep it, then it's actually making your life worse. It doesn't even necessarily affect right. them. It's like you. Right. So right. I, but then is it actually, this is what I have, this is my question. Then is it, if you're saying, okay, I forgive them to take the relief off of me. Well, it's, it, there's a level of like, you're believing in your own forgiveness. Like you're, you know what I mean? It's almost a belief. It's not like you're actually like vindicating them. I well, guess that's the part that's always bumped me. I think it could be something like this. Like, I think that her indiscretion with Big is a little harder to forgive than some others. For example, I have uh, friends who are a married couple and one of the people in the couple got off of his meds that mm. keep him sane. Mm -hmm. And he went on a bender and I think had an affair and mm. now he's back on his meds and he's doing better than ever and they're still together. And that is a indiscretion that I think would be very painful, but I can at least understand that if somebody was like not in their right mind or out of their mind or, you know, yes. or if somebody cheated because, you know, it, I don't know. I think just simply cheating because your ex is back. It's not that it's unforgivable, but it's a little harder to contextualize like what the reason yes. is. Like it just kind yeah, of contextualize is a great way to put it. Yeah. Cause it just kind of feels like, well, it's not like anything really dramatic was happening. So it kind of just feels like you're not that dedicated to me or something. Right. Also, they're not even married. It's just kind of like, yeah, we're in a thing and you're cheating on me within the thing. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's already like a verbal commitment more than anything or a verbal agreement. And then you're like breaking your own sort of loose agreement. I don't know. It's just the whole thing feels. I think in I general, know. it's really, really hard when your feelings are hurt to understand the perspective of the person that hurt them. And the truth yeah. is there is a perspective there. Sure. And it's really hard to even think about when you feel really wounded. But I think part of the process of forgiveness is that we're all fallible and we all make mistakes and we're all wounded. And a lot of the hurtful behavior that people do comes from their own wound. And even if you don't want to be friends with them anymore, or if that's a family member you don't want to talk to anymore, or it's a lover that you don't want to talk to anymore, just even recognizing that like they're a person with wounds and they're acting from their wound can at least maybe help you understand and let it go. Mm, I think. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, because I, I don't think forgiveness. I remember an old therapist because my dad and I had a had a really tough relationship and we had a 13 year break where we didn't talk and I was very, very hurt. And I remember my therapist bringing up this idea of forgiveness. And I was just like, how could I ever, ever forgive? And she was like, because you have to to move on with your own life, mm -hmm. like you can't move on if you're just holding this. And I just was like, yeah, you know, I just, the, the concept is really tricky. It's really hard, but I think it's fair. That, that is what I'm saying is that it makes sense. And I understand the importance. It is tricky. I don't, I think that sometimes people are like, forgive and forget. You're just like, okay. I think it's forgive and <laughs> I not mean, forget. It is a hundred percent is, I also, but I think that yeah. they're so, they're so close because you technically can't, You'll never forget. So it's like this. Yeah, it, it's 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 really just it's almost like, well, again, this is when I'm like, we need more words. I'm like, it's almost like you're you're giving yourself permission to not be haunted by it anymore. Yes, I think so. And I also think that like this is something that 
I think is like a huge benefit of forgiveness is if you can forgive people who have hurt you and they probably didn't do it on purpose to be assholes. They probably did it for their own, you know, whatever is yeah. I think if you can be more forgiving to other people, you can be more forgiving to yourself because I think that's so if true. you're really hard on other people and just don't let them get away with shit, there's no way that you haven't really hurt other people. It's just you're impossible. So right. And so it's almost like a good step in being kinder to yourself as well. I love that. I love that. That's uh, that's just great. I totally agree. Good. Um, okay. Well, on that wonderful note, that brings us to our last segment. I'm horny for Sex in the City is obviously a very horny show. We end each episode by sharing what we are currently horny for. Rose, what are you horny for right now? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. I'm actually extremely horny for this season of Insecure. Mm-hmm. Starring Issa Rae. Um, I think it's really funny. The show. I I've think heard just- it's great. I've heard that this season in particular is like stellar. You know what? There's just a tone of a show in a movie that I will always like. And it's Bridget Jones, Insecure, Girls, Sex in the City. It's just like fun, sexy, goes into issues, but is not heavy. I can watch stuff like that all day, every day. And it's funny. It's smart. I love the relationships. The guys are hot. It's really everything you could ever want. Oh, I love that. I'm going to watch it. Yeah, you should. So that's my horny for. Perfect. Girl, what are you horny for? Um, I'm going to give, I'm horny for, oh, this is so sad. I'm going to give a horny for Lynn Shelton oh, movies and her, um, yes, uh, beloved director passed away very suddenly. And I was just a huge fan of hers. And, um, I've kind of fallen into a really sad spot where I just like keep looking for more information about what happened to her and I I am not close with, but I do know Mark Marin, her partner, and I just feel so bad for him. And he always just speaks so fondly of her and they were collaborators. And the whole thing is just like so devastating. And she really is just so insanely talented. She's directed she's directed so many things, but she's also directed so many different types of projects from Mad Men to New Girl to Glow to Little Fires Everywhere. She's just like uh insanely she was an insanely gifted person and her first movie hump day I saw in theaters and like loved it and I didn't even know it was her movie um and yeah I just think she's so talented so I'm horny for hump day definitely recommend seeing it if you haven't and yeah you can you probably have watched something she's done on television at some point because she worked on all of the best shows so it's just really tragic there you go. Well, thank you for sharing that, Jamie. Yeah, got to, you know, got to disseminate. She like paved the way for a lot, of, female a lot of yeah, female. I mean, she really was oh, it's just unbelievable. She was like right at the, you know, her career is just getting more and more exciting. It's fucking really sad. Well, Jamie, I'm really happy to talk to you. Sorry to end on such a down note. And, and now I'm in a better mood. Oh, good. Yeah, I this podcast is a lifesaver. So thank you guys for listening. And uh, bye, everybody. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod. And follow my co-host, Rose Cerno, on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host, Jamie, at ReallyJamieLee on Instagram and at TheJamieLee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. If you're nasty, it helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You're nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. And mastered by Anna Rubinova. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. Pew, pew, pew.